Bonjour, Stuart Lennon. How are you, sir? Ah, bonjour, Monsieur Cosgrove. I'm very well. How are you? Oh, c'est bien. C'est bien. C'était bien? C'est bien or c'était bien? Uh, c'est bien is, it is good, and c'était bien is, it was good. Ah, well, both then, I suppose? Well, you can't argue with that, can you? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, French aside, how are you? I'm, I'm all right. I, I must first... Uh, for, for you and the benefit of the third chair, um, <laughs> yeah. just, just make an apology. Uh, we have a guest this evening. I know this wasn't scheduled. Um, yeah. But uh, featuring Spice is on the loose. Uh, she is currently out in the garden going, oh, thank God it's cooled down. Um, <laughs> it's, it's suddenly becoming a nocturnal animal. Because the sun is just overbearing in the daytime? Uh, it, I, it's a course of action I'm considering myself. Um, it is mm. hotter than a snake's ass in a wagon rut, uh, as <laughs> somebody once memorably said. <laughs> Who said that? Because <laughs> it's not something I'm aware of. I believe that that is a uh, Robin Williams line, probably from okay. Good Morning Vietnam, I guess. Um, uh, along with Roosevelt D. Roosevelt, we're going... Uh, what did he say? Uh, it's hot! God damn it, I told you it was hot! What, were you born on the sun? Or something along those lines. <laughs> um, it's really, really big. Oh, I just looked at the, at the blue pattern on the microphone. That's going to be fun to edit that bit. Um, mm, yeah, just assume peaks. No troughs, all peaks. Yeah, yeah, that's mostly peaks. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> been, it's been very, very warm and the humidity has gone up. Uh, I should have known, really. Uh, of the current Mrs. Lennon has left the island, uh, and so uh, suddenly summer has arrived with ears on. Uh, it's mm. what did we get to today? I think uh, about thirty-four shade temperature here, uh, and up in Nicosia, it's getting to uh, thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Um, I think it even touched 40, Too many. forty a couple of days ago. I'm just gonna. Uh, for the sake of our American listeners, just check what 40 is, um, apart from a lot. Um, it's about 110, I think. Oh, dear. Uh, which is... Uh, it, yeah, it's a bit toasty. I've got to be honest. I mean, in, this, in the sun, it's a lot worse. It's 104. 40 degrees is 104, so... Um, mm. It's been getting up into that sort of area, and when I got into the car after golf today... Isn't life hard, I know. Um, it was, the car temperature was showing 44.5. <laughs> so a, a, a low oven? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you leave a car in the sun here. I, we, <laughs> we have those, um, um, oh, you certainly don't have them in Northern Ireland, but you may have seen them on your travels. Um, they're like a sort of foil, fold-out windscreen cover. So, Oh, yeah, yeah, to deflect it. the sun yeah, somewhat. Yeah, to sort of make it possible to actually touch parts of the car when you get into it. Um, yeah, I remember going to, funny enough, we were talking about temperatures in the Slack, uh, and Joel, who I think is uh, in Florida, uh, was telling us about the temperature there and, and you know, telling me, you know, 26 degrees in April when I might be going, so that's not too bad. But I remember being in Florida maybe 14, 15 years ago and just not comprehending that black asphalt gets warm. <laughs> and so bare feet, basically on a griddle, and then just melting my feet and not, not, not quite understanding that as a child. And then also the, the confusion of people saying it's over a hundred. And I'm like, but that's, that's how we make 
tea. Water <laughs> boils at a hundred. I learned this in school, you know, confusion. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, if you're not used to this sort of, sort of weather, which, um, I mean, I'm a little bit used to it, but, mm. um, the, the golf course where I play, the paths are white concrete. Um, and most sane people, uh, at this time of year have said, right, that's enough. I'm now going in a buggy. And so they sort of <laughs> drive from ball to ball. <laughs> I, I'm walking around with a big bag on my back. And when, <laughs> when you walk on that path, suddenly think, oh, oh, my feet are sore today. They're not sore. It's actually the path burning your feet. Ref- <laughs> You're getting a suntan localized entirely to your soles. It's, it's the white reflection. Um, and so albedo. Yeah. You, you soon, you soon learn to sort of, I sort of trot <laughs> along by the side of paths and people just think I'm, well, in fairness, there's many th- reasons that people think I'm weird, but that, that's another one that they go, what, why is he doing that? <laughs> a severe aversion to pathway. Yeah. But on a, on a more serious note, it's the most common, um, dog injury in Cyprus at this time of year is, um, burnt, oh, burnt paws, burnt pads. Yeah. Oh, nightmare. Cause uh, <laughs> hopefully spice has been. No, Spice know, sort of mittens, slippers. She she appears to have been born with a bit of Cypriot sense, and she just oh, okay. She wanders out. Uh, I get up quite early, and she wanders out with me in the morning, uh, and we might have a little bit of ball play and stuff. Uh, and then circa seven thirty, eight o'clock, she's like, "Nap, that's me. I'm done." Uh, and uh, she's been a real rebel since Margaret left. Oh, sorry. Since Margaret left, that sounds, sounds terrible. Since Margaret went away on holiday, um, <laughs> that's the euphemism we're using, right? Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. We're going to stick with that. Um, she, she's been a bit rebellious, which I suppose you know is natural. The the leader of the pack is gone, and she's not quite sure what's going on. Um, and uh, I, I've taken the big step because we we usually confine Spice to um, a very big cage uh, when we're out. Mm-hmm. There's a big cage in the kitchen. Uh, and she was just, just kicking up and kicking off, which she never used to do. Um, and so I don't, I don't put her in the cage now. I leave the door open. She has the option, uh, and she has the run of the kitchen. And that's it. She's fine again now. She was, she was just telling us, yeah, I'm done with this cage stuff. Uh, because she likes to wander around and find the coolest tile to lie on. That's, uh, that's pretty much what it's all about. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's weird, isn't it? But I, I've got to the stage now where I, I leave the fan on for the dog. Yeah. I've no idea if the dog appreciates this or not, but it just kind of feels wrong to sort of lock the door. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Oh. So, in summary, that's six and a half minutes saying, it's a hot. It's warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After what, 71 episodes complaining it was cold. Yeah, exactly. We now have started into the 71 episodes complaining it's too hot. I, I have got written down in my little podcasting book timestamps that I can point to and say, <laughs> I did say, <laughs> I did say that we should be grateful for this while it's here. Um, mm. once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Margaret, um, ironically, uh, Sicily has been having a really bad winter, a sort of very similar to, to Cyprus's, except oh, theirs, theirs has carried on. That's still going. Yeah. So I, I just called her before we came on and she's, uh, I said, Oh, are you out? No. I've gone back home. It's too cold. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> right. Jolly good. <laughs> having anything nice you to eat? You the weather with you. <laughs> Something warm. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what about Northern Ireland? How's the weather over there? Uh, well, I'll do a live temperature check for you now at 12 minutes past 8. 14.7 degrees um, civilised. And it's yeah, it's warm enough. 
It's not cold. It's been grey and rainy and misly all day. The grass is loving it. Everybody else is not. So that's pretty typical for our wee island. Okay, I'm, I'm just... You might hear uh, carrot weather. Um, carrot weather is telling me at the moment that... Um, well, first of all, it's saying that cloud looks like that Daisy who stole your pen in junior high. <laughs> I love, I love carrot weather. Um, and it's also saying it's 23 degrees C. Uh, and that's at, uh, we are at quarter past 10 at night. Okay. Yeah. So substantially hotter. Yeah. It's, mm. believe me, yeah. anything over 20 is not nice to sleep in. Um, no, I can imagine. Which means I bought a fan the other day, which was somewhat euphemistic, but it's, <laughs> It's good for pulling the the colder air in from outside into the house and sort of venting it. Because like I said before, we have many ways of making houses hot and few ways of making them less hot. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got the, the kind of uh, opposite problem, I suppose. God, dear. Right. Well, that's the weather done. Let, let's, do the, <laughs> let's do the normal things. Let's do the regular things. What about writing? What are you writing with and writing on? So I'm writing on my normal stuff. I've still got my Mercury notebook, the field notes, um, very close to the end of that. Uh, and I've still got our show notebook, which is the really tall Rodeo notebook. Mm-hmm. But I'm writing with a somewhat unusual pencil. Oh. This is a Stadler Mars non-print purple pencil. A purple uh, pencil? A purple pencil, both in uh, lacquer and lead. Um, it's a really light sort of lilac kind of color i guess it's hard to describe i'm not very good with colors um it's a non-print pencil which i believe is for marking up um annotations on documents and plans and things like that and then if you you put it through reaper graphics if you you photocopy it a certain wavelength or something uh it basically doesn't pick up the alterations and so you can photocopy clean even though you've annotated on top that's very clever isn't it um so I haven't tried that and it, I don't know why, like I knew this is not how it was going to work, but I wrote with it and then immediately pulled out my camera to see if it would show up. And then it obviously did. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't know what we expected here. This is not, yeah, this is one of those moments. Like, I don't know why I told everybody because now I, like no one knew until now, but yeah, I was like, oh yeah, no, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's your inquisitive mind, TJ. It serves you well. Yes. Yeah. I just had to prove it because if it was, like if it worked, imagine. Um, <laughs> that would so, be yeah. clever. <laughs> they look like new old stock to me. Um, the the Stadler logo is relatively recent, but the Mars non-print is a really weird, like Euro style style wide font. Okay. Um, I haven't seen them before. I'll send a picture. They're on my uh, Instagram, actually. The most okay. recent picture was on there. But um, I've got one set aside for you that I'll stick in the little care package I'm oh, building at the minute. I'm, I'm thinking that there's a, a staff writer at uh, Nero's Notes who would probably <laughs> crawl across broken glass for that, actually. Um, big big fan I think of purple, I can... this young script. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, these are lovely, lovely pencils. It's kind of a... It's a cross between a graphite pencil and a, a coloring pencil, which are more clay-based. Yeah. Um, so it's a little hard to get a nice detailed line without a bit of force. Like if you go lightly, it is light. Um, but it's nice to write with. It's a lovely color. It is distinctly purple. Um, and just something a little bit different. I find these, um, we were in a, a Reaper graphics shop of all places getting something printed. And I happened to be meandering and saw a little box of well first of all they had letter set letters you know the transfer ones that you sort of scrape onto stuff Uh uh-huh 
they had a, a crate of those, so I may well go back and get some of those. But for this time, I bought uh, a Swan Morton um, scalpel. I'm holding it now. You can't see it because this is a podcast, but I needed a new scalpel for doing um, cutting out paper and stuff. So got that and a few blades and then happened to see this little sort of abandoned box on the top and found five of these Steeler pencils uh, for 10 pH. Good Lord. So I, yeah, I picked them all up. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Well, the uh, the one you sent me will be for sale for two pounds in Nero's notes uh, <laughs> in, in moments. Um, okay, so I'll see if I can find it online, but I haven't. I've never seen it before, uh, and I've never seen it since. Right, you are. Well, I'm. Uh, I've, similarly, I haven't changed much. My uh, my everyday carry uh, is the commonplace tart. Um, by Waverly Books, which is it's getting a bit of love. It was on uh, it was on TV in Texas uh, this week. Oh. There you go. I mean, uh, some some happy owner had passed it on to some happy journalist, and it, it all ended up on TV, which is great. Uh, lovely notebook. It's a really good notebook. Really nice paper. Uh, and I'm using the Studio Neat Mark One, which is a uh, is a very nice sort of uh, vehicle for a Schmidt refill. Uh, to be honest, uh, lovely. Enjoying that, and back into my little podcast book, the one that got anointed a couple of episodes ago. Um, the the old the half book, yeah, the old but new. Um, but I'm writing with my uh, with my very sexy Pelican M600 uh, in vibrant orange, uh, which is uh, the ink. The name is going to escape me. Well, was it a a uh, Les Gibson? something or other summer blubber. Gibson Les Paul Gibson Les Paul that's him uh summer orange bursty something or other um yeah lovely very very, very nice pen very nice ink uh, on very nice paper mm-hmm. all right then Trail. so watching what have you been watching watching I went to the cinema yesterday shock horror uh and I saw Godzilla King of the Monsters, which was predictably amazing. Uh, also garbage. It was fun, but dumb. Uh, but one of those, one of those films that has something in it that I take away that most audience members probably don't. Um, I love fictional corporations. I love, uh, Well and Jutani from Alien. I love the whole back end of a fictional corporation that exists only in a universe in a film or something like that. What? Um, <laughs> why? I, I don't know. It's just, it's always been a an obsession when I see these weird fictional corporations that have this overarching structure that are not necessarily evil, but do bad things in the universe. And I don't know. I just, I always find it interesting. They always grab my attention. And uh, there's a, there's a corporation in Godzilla, in the Godzilla and King Kong movies called Monarch, which is kind of like monster hunters. And so they have all this cool equipment and they have all this cool branded merch. I think it's because they have branded things. Looking at it now, uh, they have their logo emblazoned on everything, and they have special cases with things in them, which is kind of everything I love about stuff. I don't know. I, I'm learning a lot about myself as I say this. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it, but it is a bit uh, niche. As, uh, as yeah, yeah, say. it's niche with a niche, right? Um, but not a bad film. Uh, if you like Godzilla and buildings being destroyed. Um, it's, it's good. If you're a fan of architecture, maybe give it a miss, but, um, a good solid film. And what else did I watch? Watch something else recently. No, it's listening. Never mind. You go. Your turn. Uh, well, what have I been watching? Uh, 
I watched Harry Potter 2, um, sort of follow on from last week. I think one of the terrestrial uh, channels, I think ITV, is showing them in order every, I'm going to say Sunday. Was it yesterday? I watched it. Sunday, Saturday. Sunday, I think. Um, yeah. Look, I love the books. The movies are great. Um, they are what they are. And they're getting on a bit, but so am I. Um, and the great, <laughs> great thing about getting old is you forget what happened. Um, so <laughs> I watched that. I've been watching some golf, uh, as ever. Uh, and in the show notes, uh, there are some, there are some, some, some air quotes here. Uh, yeah, I've, I see them. I've written that I watched some football, um, by which I mean soccer for American listeners. Uh, it was the, oh, uh, the UEFA Champions League final. Got that right. Is this the Liverpool one? Yep. It was, it was between Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, and, uh, Liverpool got a penalty in the first 30 seconds. Uh, then everybody did nothing for about 90 minutes. Uh, which is the runtime of an average handball football game. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it was even to my untrained eye. Uh, what's the technical? Oh, crap. Um, (laughs) these are two sides that I'm told have played fantastic entertaining excellent football all the way through uh but clearly they'd run out um just phoned it in yeah and so then the last minute uh liverpool got another one so it was two nil um and i've got a friend who's a great liverpool fan and he was there and he was absolutely thrilled and over the moon and so i'm delighted for him uh but it is pretty much two hours of my life that i will never see again um and it was all in Madrid, um, obviously. Uh, why two English teams would be playing in Madrid is a complete mystery. <laughs> Nicer that, weather. That's the way it works. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just looking away from the mic because I've just hit something with my hand. I heard that, but I've got no idea what it was. Oh, I, well, I can't see anything lying on the floor bleeding either. <laughs> I'm not much help given this is an audio medium. Mm. Yeah, well, we may have to think of that. But anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> so that was that was a bit dull. Um, and because of reasons that we'll get to later, I was up very, very late. Uh, and as I've now got this questionable television, there was a there was a huge boxing game match fight. Uh, one of those um, game, I think, is the correct term between um, an enormous fellow. Uh, who is the, oh, uh, 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 what's his name? Oh, this story is going to fall flat. I can't remember his bleeding name. But he's a British boxer, um, big fellow, um, I mean, just biceps and uh, very, very. I'm fit. Googling, just, just keep, keep mumbling no, and I'll find the name on Google for you. Huge human being. Is it? Huge human being. Uh, Anthony Joshua. Him. Uh, also appears to be a lovely chap. Very nice. But, I mean, he is a specimen of, of, of human development. Poor big boy. I, I'm not saying I've got a man crush, but you know, if I was going to look like anything, probably his body would do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, and he was fighting what can only be described as the Mexican version of me. This fellow honestly <laughs> looks as though he's come straight out of McDonald's into the ring. <laughs> he's got a belly hanging out over his shorts. Uh, and I'm looking down as I say that because I've got a belly hanging out over my shorts. He's out of shape. Uh, he is by no means fit. 
he'd been completely written off. Uh, this was, you know, lamb to the slaughter type thing. Um, and uh, he won. Uh, he knocked over this uh, huge fine specimen person uh, in the third round. Uh, twice, I think. And then eventually in round seven, uh, he got a TKO, which is a technical knockout, uh, where the referee sort of picked up this enormous fellow who was on the canvas again and said, are you ready to box? And got no answer. Uh, and so I went, do you know what? I don't think he's up for it. Now, I don't know anything about boxing, but I do know a little bit about money. And lots of money was made and lost on that day. And mm. if there are any boxing fans listening, then you can um, send us an email and, and explain to me what happened. But it looks very much to me as though a business transaction happened. That's what it looks like to me. Because what will now happen is that there will be a rematch. And I've got the feeling that the manager of the British boxer, uh, who is um, as dodgy as a three-bob note, uh, no offence, Mr. Hearn, I'm sure you're great, but you're a gangster. And I'm absolutely certain that he will be saying to Anthony Joshua, right, this time, have him. And Joshua will come out and turn this man into a bleeding pulp in about 30 seconds. Oh, dear. Which is what you would expect to happen. If you, Honestly, Google it. Have a look at these two guys together. I'm watching the video footage of the highlights at the minute, and it's... Well, yeah. The guy has fallen out of McDonald's into the boxing ring and become the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> I mean, you could do worse. They're calling it the Mexican Rocky story. <laughs> and, look, I don't, I, I don't mean to diss anybody. I'm, I'm fantastic. The guy stood in a ring with that monster, and I wouldn't do that. Um, and he and he won. Fair play to him. But there's a part of me that goes, nah, that didn't. Something is afoot there, TJ. Mark my words. Mm. <sighs> well, that was my first rant of the podcast ever. Right. Uh, listening. You listening to anything? Yeah, let me flick back to my show notes here, watching boxing highlights for the first time in my life. <laughs> um, listening. Yes, I've been listening to podcasts, a few bits and pieces, uh, the normal stuff. But then, uh, inspired by a news article, topical, uh, I stuck on an album that I'm aware of and that I enjoy very much. Uh, called Ill Communication, which is a Beastie Boys album. Okay. And it's 25 years old this year. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll have to listen to that tomorrow. I, hang on. I'm going I'm to take a note, TJ. This isn't that much. <laughs> Splendid. And uh, are you enjoying listening to it? Yeah, it's, I literally turned it off right before I rang you. Oh. So it's it's real good stuff. Um, Beastie Boys are great. I can't help but feel like if I had a large warehouse with uh, branded uh, flight cases and machinery in it, much like the fictional corporation in that Godzilla movie, this would be the music I would play to get pumped up and have it playing through tan like tinny tannoy speakers all over the facility. Okay. Is, th is this what you it's would have on before you went to fight Anthony Joshua? Because there's a lot of money in it. <laughs> I'm not sure it'll help. <laughs> oh. That sounded a bit fluid, uh, Mr. Cosgrove. I'm, I'm taking a few beverages. It's not actually anything fun. It's water. Oh. It's a big metal tin of water. Yeah, a tin of water. Ah, civilization. What a wonderful thing. <laughs> okay, well... I've, so yeah, Beastie Boys and podcasts. What about you? Uh, podcasts as well. Uh, and I did, I did send you a note earlier um, about 13 minutes to the moon 
which anybody listening, if you haven't looked this one up, you should. Uh, I'll say it again. 13 Minutes to the Moon. Uh, it's a podcast by mm-hmm. the BBC World Service. Um, it's about, um, well, going to the moon. <clears throat> uh, it's astonishing. And I mean astonishing. Every episode has had me transfixed to the extent that this has now become the enemy of productivity. There, <laughs> there are many just podcasts. One more, just one more. Yeah, many podcasts, our own included, that I can have on in the background and go, oh yeah, that's quite nice. And, you know, there, there are large chunks of every podcast that I miss because I'm doing something else. I'm just concentrating. Um, this one makes me put down my pen and listen. Uh, there's a lot of interview with the guys involved in the Apollo program. Um, there's a lot of, uh, real time footage, um, audio, obviously, of, of the, of, of the time and of what was going on. Um, it's being released, um, weekly and this week was episode four. Um, and I shed a tear. There you go. That, that, that's what I was at. I shed a tear. It's astonishing. Wow. Um, just, just brilliant. Worth the license fee on its own. I listen to a few BBC podcasts, <laughs> but that one is absolutely brilliant. Um, and that's all yeah, I've been listening has got to. some real quality stuff. Yeah. I'm going to listen to that one. That one's on my list. I literally have it on my, if I open my phone, I can see it right now on my podcast list. It's what I'm going to listen to on the train tomorrow morning. Yeah. I think it was Vanessa in the, in the Slack who, who put us onto it. Um, and I, I, mm. you know, thanks Vanessa. I just went, oh, yeah, okay. And then put it into my, my feed and listen to the first one, I suppose, two, three weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I'm literally, when that comes in, whatever else is, is playing gets paused and I put that on. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, just as a, you know, point of order, erasable doing an episode on playlists. Mm. What can I say, TJ? What can I say? <laughs> what is it? Um, imitation? Sincerest? For, something? Form of, yeah. <laughs> form of flagellation wow. or something, yes. <laughs> and I added a few songs to that. I find... Um, so oh, God, Andy you haven't, have you? Quick, get on there. Yeah. Uh, no, Blink-182 is not appropriate for anything. No, 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 no. So Andy had asked for songs on the erasable... Let me, let me find it because I have it on mine. Songs from, absolutely, songs from the erasable community. And Annie put this collaborative playlist up and Some, I have somebody added, put oh, a couple of it. people have added now, yeah. So, he, you know, Andy has some really good tracks in there. Um, let me see what's he got. Vitamin String Quartet, uh, Miles Davis, Iron Maiden, uh, Stevie Dan, Johnny Cash. There's, you know, it's quite a wide, this is death cab for a cutie. Music quite to write a wide to. breadth. Yeah. And so I added some, I added two that were both puns and also good songs. So I added Pencil Thin Mustache, which is a Jimmy Buffett song. You should listen to it. It's very good. Uh, and also Pencil Full of Lead, which is a Paolo Nutini song, which is also pretty good. Oh, it's a great song. And Paolo Nutini is mm. a great songwriter, in fact. Mm-hmm. So I figured that was quite a nice addition on my part, two pencil-related puns, you know, just just keeping it on brand. I was going to say, I mean, after we've done musical episodes and you talked about Blink-182, Blink suddenly you start talking <laughs> yeah. about Paul Antini, <laughs> an Italian Scott. Good man. <laughs> <sighs> Reading. 
Any of that? Reading. Weeding. Yeah, so bit of a bit of a drought on the reading front. I uh, I've kind of put myself off that book, the robot geneticist one. And I don't know why, because it isn't it hasn't got worse. It's still good. Like I still enjoy it, but I'm kind of now going, eh, you need an editor. And it's making me not want to listen to it. Sure. Because I want to listen to something else. And it's totally unfair criticism. It's it's actually very, very good. I'm really enjoying it. But you know the way sometimes you get it into your head, you don't want to listen to a thing. And so no matter how much you try and get into it, it's just not gelling. Sure. And so I've stuck it on this afternoon on the way home and within 10 minutes had it switched over to another podcast because it just wasn't, I wasn't sinking into it. And if I'm not sinking into it, I might as well listen to the people on the train, which is torture. So I just changed to something else, which I did sink into. So I'm on a bit of a, a reading pause is what I'm going to call it. But I think I'm going to start reading the Adam Savage book that I have because I really want to finish it. So I'm going to start reading it uh, shortly. And then I was very excited. I don't know if I mentioned this, but the, the analog science fiction magazine that I love mm-hmm. stopped being sold in Eason's. So I, I stopped being able to get it maybe two or three months ago. It just disappeared. Uh, and I was really annoyed. And I went back in several times and I checked back and it was just nothing. And then I was in on Saturday and they got it again. Oh. So I was like, oh, happy days. I picked it up. I'm super excited to read it. It's sitting on my desk right now. Um, and they kind of, I think it's bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. So there's, or whatever, one every two months, whatever that is. Yep. I, don't, I think bi-monthly is twice a month. Um, yeah, it's, so there's maybe six issues a year. So I've probably missed two or three, maybe two, I think. Okay. Um, if not less, I don't know. But I'm very, very glad it's back. So I'll be reading it, and I'm going to read the Adam Savage book. But I, at the minute, I'm only listening to podcasts. I'm not reading anything. All right. Okay. Well, that's fair enough, I suppose. Um, you? Me. I'm reading. Uh, this, this sounds like uh, some sort of euphemism. I'm, I'm reading The English Scholar's Ring. <clears throat> Um, by Lena Elinas, who is the lady that I mentioned before that runs the, the, uh, olive oil park. Um, Mm -hmm. and we went to her book launch last week, um, which is for her third novel, um, the, the Templar scroll and all that, the prophecy in the Templar scroll. Um, the novel is in English. The invite was in English. The evening was in Greek. Um, and oh dear. at a level of Greek, somewhat beyond uh, Margaret and I's uh, rudimentary level one uh, Greek conversation. So uh, it was an interesting evening, just, <laughs> but not quite in the way that I'd envisaged. Um, mm. uh, but that's where I bought The English Scholar's Ring, which is her second novel, and the novel that was being launched. I bought the third one as well. Um, and I've got to say, uh, I've read the first one, uh, which she sold me in that very sort of sheepish author type way of going, Oh, the second one's better. And hopefully the third one's even better than that. Um, and I can see that there's a couple of things in the first one that maybe go, Hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe could have edited that. Um, but it was a good story. And so, it, you know, it pulled me through and who cares type thing. Uh, and the second one is turning out to be very similar. Um, less, less things that make me go, hmm. Uh, and more things that make me go, oh, what's happening next? Um, yeah. Really short chapters as well, which is, um, I think a very modern thing, but I think a very good thing. 
You can read is that a John Grisham thing or someone? Yeah, Grisham does it, but uh, a few people do it. But you know, a couple of pages, bang, uh, and then it's because she writes mixed timeline. Ah, um, oh, you're back and forth. Yeah, it's a really easy way to to sort of make that transition is just make a new chapter rather than ask the reader to think, oh, okay, I've switched. Um, and let's face it, we're, we're lazy. So we, we want it to be nice and easy. Um, and I quite enjoy it because it means that, you know, I can just pick it up for five minutes, read it. And, uh, it's, a, it's a really good book and it talks about locations that, you know, around the corner from me here. And it's, that's cool. It's like, oh, wow. So, uh, in the first book, the, the hero, or not the hero, but, um, a, a, a good looking Italian chef, I'll have you know. Um, went to stay in a hotel that's literally 15 minutes up the road from me on the way to the golf course. It's got its own golf course, in fact. Um, and he's sitting in a restaurant I've eaten in, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> um, that really appeals to me for, uh, for reasons. I'd that's really say. interesting. Uh, it's probably quite good in books. I find it to be hit and miss in, in television programs. It's always funny whenever, and this happens quite rarely because Belfast, though lovely, is not exactly a hub of the universe. But whenever Belfast appears in things, normally it's a terrorist subplot. Uh, and when it's not, they normally go Belfast and then show somewhere and you're like, that is not Belfast. <laughs> that is clearly nowhere here. <laughs> or it is someone here. And they're like, oh, I'm at this high rise nightclub. And you're like, that is an industrial estate and no one goes there mm. and so because you can see it some of the mystique is kind of gone and you get it, there's a lot it's a lot hide, harder to hide your sins whenever it's like no no that's that's a co-op and you've just brought it up and made it look shiny yeah for sure, for sure. i mean i think because the first book the timeline that i was reading that was modern was uh 2011 um uh-huh. so the the hotel in question is now two or three management companies forward from then. But I remember when it was under the management company that she made, it was a Four Seasons originally. Uh, That's not true. It was an intercontinental originally. Um, And it was, you know, the whole place was set up as very, very high, high end and high level. Um, Mm. And it was really, really nice. It's now come down and it's, um, Oh, uh, this will make sense for British listeners. Americans won't have a clue what we're talking about. I think it's Thompson Holidays, Sensitory level, which is the sort of the posh level of sen- of Thompson. Um, but it's, okay. you know, it's, yeah. it's a baggage holiday destination. So not quite as high level, let's say. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's quite cool to see that. And she also touches on medieval history. Um, which I had no idea how interested I was in the medieval history of Cyprus. Because uh, mm. one of the guys speaking incomprehensible Greek at her launch was a professor of medieval history um, who I was chatting to in the sort of the pre-event thing. And he went, oh, well, I'm, I'm speaking entirely in Greek in, in that accent. That's what he sounded like. <laughs> yes, I'm speaking entirely in Greek, but... Uh, I do have the speech in English. Would that be would that be of use? Well, splendid. Well, yeah, lovely. I'll I'll email it through to you. Um, I thought. Oh, you don't speak Greek. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, I say, how inconvenient for you. You're not going to get very much out of this, then. Yes, good lord. Uh, yes, I mean, no, London. I love it. I did a couple of degrees there. It was splendid. Um, certainly, I mean, fair play to him, uh, uh, Doctor Doctor Nick. Uh, he's uh, he sent it through to me in English. The the speech. Um, obviously it would have been nice to have it at the time. 
<laughs> but um, it was just nodding. It was actually, I've got to say, this was amazing because Margaret and I sat there in the second or third row, looking at each other, going, "What have we done? How long is this going to be?" Um, but you know, in fairness, we're both linguists. We have studied a bit of Greek, um, and so inevitably, when there's nothing else to do, <laughs> you do listen and sort of pick up a few words, uh, yeah. and. Well, certainly for me, I've got an imagination, so I'm just inventing storylines around these three words that I've understood. <laughs> Sausage, uh, <laughs> Arkansas, and pajamas. Yeah, pretty mm. much. Mm. And, and Margaret <laughs> is, um, she's an incredibly acute observer of people. So, uh, she pointed it out to me, and I've just written a post on this, but if you don't understand what people are saying, you, you sort of turn up your observation skills. And so you watch the body language much more closely. And yeah. of course, you might come up with completely the wrong answer, but you can just have an amazing time watching two people talking. And so in, in the mingle thing afterwards, where it was, um, you know, chat, 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 music, music, music. This is how wine works. Blah, blah, blah. Go and drink wine. Um, <laughs> we're, we're standing around in the, in the garden with a glass of wine each watching, um, the sort of Greek people. Uh, Greek people, that's not a Cypriot, um, speaking Greek. And you're looking at the interactions and the body language and the politics and all that stuff. Um, and just inventing scenarios. <laughs> um, it was fabulous. It was really, really good. I really, really enjoyed it, even though I understood only about 5% of it. The, <laughs> the only person that did their, their presentation in two languages was the wine person, which I think is an important lesson. Yeah. There's, Alcohol is uh, borderless. Well, you know, when it comes to wine, you just—it's just a better class of people, to be honest. I mean, what, what can I say? <laughs> um, so, uh, alongside that, I'm still reading "Itch" uh, by Simon Mayer, uh, which is, you know, I think pitched at sort of 14 year olds, so my sort of age. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's fabulous. It's it's great fun. Uh, excellent debut, says says the book critic. Uh, what's next? Oh, drinking. Are you drinking? So I have my, uh, my bottle of water. It's a metal, uh, one liter bottle. It has stickers all over it. Um, so I'm drinking lots of water. I did attempt to purchase beer and I didn't, that sounds like I've been ID'd and not allowed because I'm 16. Mm -hmm. I tried to buy beer for yesterday and tonight. And in rare situation, I bought a beer that I didn't like, Good and I God. didn't drink the first one. I'm not going to drink the second one. Heavens. Uh, it was from Lidl, which may have been the problem. Mm. And that's not to spite Lidl, but... I said, I, I they carry some this, good wine, in fairness. Yeah. No, no, maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't like this beer. That's almost certainly what's happening here. Uh, I think it was called Perlenberger, mm -hmm. uh, German beer. Mm -hmm. um, just a Pilsner. And I thought, okay, yeah, that sounds good to me. And got two cans, pound each. I thought I was going to buy the big bottles. And I thought, no, no, I don't know if I like that. I'll maybe just get a, a can or two that'll do me for the podcast. And I got it. And I had, I poured it in a glass. I did the whole ceremony. Like I was really going to enjoy it last night. And sat down and took a sip. And then took a second exploratory sip. And then the whole thing went down the drain. Because it was just, just not my jam at all. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the aftertaste or whatever. I'm going to try and Google it here. Um, see if I can find anything about it. But I just didn't like it. And that's 
rare for beer, rare for me. But um, sadly, I don't think I'll be drinking the second can. Oh, that's my phone buzzing. It's all kicking off. Well, there you go. See, I don't think I'll be drinking the second one, unfortunately. Yeah, well, you know, you try. You give it a go. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, I've been uh, been drinking a lot of water uh, due to the aforementioned uh, weather conditions. I... uh, when I walk a golf course, I carry about three liters of water, something. Yeah, three liters that I will drink. Um, there'll be a liter and a half frozen and a liter and a half cold. And I put the cold ones next to the frozen ones in the hope that they will sort of mingle. Um, uh, and then, yeah, what? A, well, well, tonight I'm going to have a VO31, um, which is the oh, Cypriot brandy. Uh, I may wander over to the ice machine in a minute and uh, fill it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, my focus at the moment is I'm I'm being very good about the drinking, not drinking too much. Uh, I'm eating very well and I'm exercising pretty much every day. So I'm playing golf. I played golf on Saturday. Then I dropped Margaret to the airport in the middle of the night. Uh, and then I came home, got changed and went for a very hilly hike for about eight and a bit miles. Uh, that was mostly uphill. And then uh, I played golf on mon- on yeah on Monday, today. I'm playing again tomorrow. I'm playing again on Wednesday. I'm playing again on Thursday. Ooh. Friday at the moment's free, uh, if anybody fancies a game. Uh, and Saturday I'm playing, Sunday I'm playing, and Monday I'm playing. Uh, then Tuesday... Uh, at the moment is free. We'll see. And I think Wednesday I'm picking Margaret up, but I'm also playing golf. And the idea is that I will be <clears throat> a little bit slimmer after all that wandering around. Either that would have died of heat exhaustion. Wouldn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> buying. Have you been buying anything? Uh, not yet, but I have been aggressively comparing honeymoon costs. Uh, and honeymoon suppliers, suppliers, travel agents, whatever. Um, so I went with a couple and, and got quotes and sat down and done the very adult thing of sitting beside my fiance and going, hmm, yes, mm, yeah, no, that sounds reasonable. That's a lot of zeros. Never mind. Yeah, um, so, hmm, flights. So it's, it's a lot of planning and it's a lot of looking at numbers and it's a lot of going, what do we really want? And so the plan is sort of, Sort of solidified, okay. not quite. We're still, still a little bit of flex, but we're now getting down to the the real detail. And I think hopefully next week we'll be sort of starting to finalise things and then uh, basically start putting money down. Right, because we, yeah. Here we go. Bit of old man advice for you, no? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so you're pretty much there now. Yeah, you cannot go to those places that you've decided. Put that in your mind. Okay. You can't go. So, you've still got a chance to go and book a honeymoon. Where are you going to go instead? Run that as an exercise for, I don't know, 48 hours. Kick it around with me. And see if there's somewhere else you want to go. And then compare it back to the first trip. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because, as you said, we've we've got one chance at this, the whole honeymoon thing. Mm-hmm. What if we decide to go outside of our our box, if you like, 
of, of doing something completely weird. What would we never have considered? You know, we're backpacking around New Zealand or Australia or, I don't know, yeah. Africa or any of those things. Um, and then just go, you know, sort of kick that around a bit and go, isn't Because that will either make you go, oh, wow, maybe we should do something different or we'll make you go, nope, definitely. 100%. Yeah, yeah we yeah. want to go East Coast and, and do this and do that. Huh. Yeah, similarly, uh, last time we spoke, I talked about Naples as a potential holiday destination for us maybe going somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, we're now going, hmm, Stu said some really good things about Budapest. Oh. And we really like cool. Eastern Europe. Yeah. So we're going to Prague in, in December. And I'm like, well, well, we might as well complete the Eastern Europe trifecta. Uh, get out and see it. I've always wanted to go. It's been on the list for a while. And Meg was like, well, I don't know. And then we looked at flights and she's like, oh, yeah, that no, sounds like a good idea. Mm, fantastic. So, again, nothing's finalized, but we pretty much did exactly what you said. We went, right, okay, well, what if we didn't do that? Mm. And then went down a completely different route. Yeah. Uh, so. It's a, it's a huge it's a tar- world out there, isn't it's it? A very, yeah, it's a very privileged position to be in to be yeah, saying, oh, which international holiday will I be taking? But, yeah, it's nice for us because we are, you know, we're dinky. This is this is it. Mm-hmm. Um and we get to enjoy a little bit of travel. That's good. Mm. So it's trying to make smart decisions and looking at the finances. I think we've just about paid off the wedding now, oh, as wow. of this month That's saving. Fantastic. So, uh, well, paid paid off makes it seem like we we haven't spent most of it yet, but we have the <laughs> we, wedding. We, we've got it. Covered. We've got it cordoned off somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's in a it's in a lockbox. It's in a Pulp Fiction esque briefcase with a red light inside it. Um, <laughs> Just, just waiting to be thrown at, at photographers and various other people who want my money. Uh, but yeah, we've pretty much done that. So everything from now until, um, the wedding in April will be honeymoon and excess. And I'm somewhat naively hoping there'll be money left over afterwards, but that is almost certainly not happening. Listen, you just keep working. Keep working. <laughs> I mean, you never pay for any work in your house. I mean, you're building it brick by brick all on your own. So. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got um, some plans for the garden. Um, <laughs> of course you have. Mm, hexagonal pavers. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Excellent. I'll, I'll Google it later <laughs> and try and work out what the hell that means. Well, it's like a paver, like a, like a ceramic paver, but not square. Okay. For those outside of Northern Ireland, why don't you explain what a paver is? Uh, a paver. There's more like I'm there. Uh, hey, you know, with a bit of concrete, hey, and you put it in the ground. It's basically uh, a slab of concrete or some other me- uh, metal, some other stone uh, that you set on the ground and bed down with uh, sand and stuff. And then basically it's tiles for outside. Okay, so a, uh, a paving stone in the rest paver, of the United yeah, Kingdom. <laughs> Sorry. <It's right. laughs> I didn't realize it was colloquial assassination here. I, no, I was just trying to keep up with what a paver was. It was a genuine <laughs> question. Um, yes, it's a, a paving stone. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I've got, got some ideas, got some cool ideas, but again, I'm probably going to do it on myself. I had a chat, this chat with a colleague the other day, uh, this morning, actually. She said, Oh, you know, you've, you've done a lot of work around the house yourself. And you're like, yeah, I'm just kind of making it up. And as, if it hasn't burned down or fallen over, it's you know, confirmed as a success. Mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, what well, buying? What have I been buying? I've been doing some buying. 
speculate. Um, for for Nero's, uh, we buying lots of nice stuff, buying some uh, some Clairefontaine and some Rodier stuff, you know. Um, mm, français, oui, oui. And by the time this comes out, uh, that will be up on the store, so that's good. There'll be a big, wide range of fountain pen friendly stuff. Um, I had an email uh, just today, actually, from Craig Yannick, who ran or runs Darkstar. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, some really nice notebooks. Uh, he went on hiatus a couple of months back, uh, and that hiatus has become a sort of end, really, an ending. He's uh, he's looked at it from I think probably every angle and decided that he's got other stuff he needs to be doing with his time, uh, which is. Fair enough. Which is sad, but as I said to him, I said it's brilliant that he's you know taken the time to look at it and go, do you know what? I don't think I can do this anymore. So, um, yeah, I've I've taken uh, I've taken the last of his stock, um, everything that he's got left, um, which he offered me at a very very kind price, uh, and and I, in a sort of competition of kindness, paid him more than he asked for, <laughs> in the hope that um, you know. He can make make a few quid out of it. I think you know, like many people in this business, he's he's not made any money uh, out of it. Uh, and you know, we wish him we wish him the best. Lovely, lovely fellow. Makes really nice notebooks. Um, Absolutely. Uh, what have I been buying myself? Uh, just just the usual. Oh yes, D and D. We, it's dynamite. Yes, or is that a, that's a different song. It, it, it's dynamite with a speech impediment. No, um, it's uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which you and I have, mm. have peripherally spoken about once or twice. Yeah, um, I was one of those classic um, children of the oh god, here we go again. The the eighties, TJ. Honestly, yeah, long time ago. Was that? Long time ago. <laughs> um, where I. Um, perhaps this was an early indication of what was to come. Where where I bought the um, the player's handbook and I bought the Dungeon Master's Guide uh, and sat there and created worlds and adventures all on my own. So I never played D&D. But I'll tell you what, I would have been good at it. God! <laughs> I I built characters that went to level a billion gazillion trillion zillion billion. <laughs> they were paladins who could kill you with a glance. I mean, wonderful, wonderful things. Um, and a paladin, I I don't remember because I haven't got the books through. But I'm, a paladin was a sort of level hundred and thirty-two fighter, and you start at level one. And so. If you and I started playing, our great grandchildren might actually get to Paladin, um, unless <laughs> unless we do what everybody else who plays Dungeons and Dragons does. It goes, no, we'll just no look that first eighty years. We'll just get rid of that. We'll move straight into year eighty one, um, when we could all be super duper supermen to start. Uh, so no, I ordered um, a starter pack, <clears throat> whatever one of those might be. Um, <laughs> and I may or may not have ordered the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master's guide um, to just sort of just supplement my uh, my knowledge. Um, but I think we should play. You want to play? I think I, so too. I think we have to play. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a few people in the Slack here volunteering to play. There's a few logistical questions to work out here in terms of how we do certain things and how we actually make it yeah, work. TJ, it doesn't really matter, mate. I mean, at the end, I win. Uh, it's the only thing we really need to work out. <laughs> I, my brother is very, very into d and I oh, listen to an oh, awful lot of D&D podcasts. Okay, excellent. So, yeah, my youngest brother, Seth, is a dungeon master by trade, oh. as well as a physicist. Um, and he has all the books, has all the kit. I have a little bit. He has all of it. Okay. And I will, uh, I will speak to him and see if I can conjure together something. Oh, absolutely. Uh, me- me- memo to Cosgrove. <laughs> I'll put an action against my name for that item, shall I? I think you ought to, you uh, corporate cobra, you. <laughs> yeah. Quickly do a little square right there. Perfect. Alrighty. So yeah, shout out in Slack or on email. If this is something you want to be involved with or you have ideas for, uh, because I think it could be good fun. I don't know what form it will take yet. Um, there are various online platforms for playing D&D and other role-playing games, so we may be oh. able to utilize that. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a whole... Right. You need to do some homework as well. So I would suggest... No, I need to um, get a really big sword and kill stuff. <laughs> well, you can you can do this vicariously. Um, so there's two podcasts I like. I'm trying to find one that is, they tend to do campaigns. And so there'll be maybe 10 to 15 episodes of a campaign. And then it'll end and they'll go on to a different thing. I'm trying to find one that I think would be good for you to kind of get a feel for it in not too much time. Just in, there's different play styles, but, um, so D&D is for nerds is a really good one. Those are Australian comedians. Oh, they play. And, uh, they're from Melbourne. And there's also Not Another D&D Podcast, which is really, really good. Uh, those are American people. They play, and it's um, Jake and Amir from College Humor, which is an American comedy site. Uh, they left and started their own thing. So, yes, I like both. Um, go on and see what fits, because there's very different play styles there. But even if you listen to an episode or two of the first episode of a campaign, you'll get a feel for how they interact and the logistics of us trying to do that, how we would convey that because there's a lot of a lot of reading there's a lot of talking mm-hmm. and then there's a little bit of dice rolling sure so D&D 1857 D&D mm. mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think if we can if we can plant a little seed in a Cosgrove brain that could be <laughs> that could be a custom a custom adventure that begins in 1856 oh that would be yeah Mm. Right, let me speak to my brother. I will uh, pester him. Uh, this this is why this is why people don't like me. I plant these little seeds and then I run away. <laughs> it's like Brexit. I'm I'm David Cameron. I voted for Brexit and then moved to Europe. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> right. Uh well, good lord, look at that. Fifty five minutes. Oh, we haven't even got to the end of parish notices. Right, so parish notices for me. What, what's going on? Well, I'm home alone, uh, which I think we've probably covered. Uh, mm-hmm. Margaret's in Sicily, um, having a, a great, if slightly cold, time. Uh, I've written in the show notes, beanbag. <clears throat> right, mm. uh, how to approach this. Okay, I have a, a beanbag. Um, not that I sit on, but that I put my foot on, because I've got a bad sort of varicose vein thing um, and a sort of big ulcer I was told by a, a very strict district nurse person 
elevate the foot or wear compression. So elevate the foot, wear compression or move, walk. So what I'm doing at the moment, which is I'm standing in front of a microphone with no compression on, means that my left ankle is massively swollen. Uh, because ah. that's not what I'm supposed to do, uh, particularly in hot weather. Um, so when I sit on my couch, I put my foot up on a beanbag. <sighs> now, I also put quite a lot of moisturizer around my ankle because when I break the skin, uh, when that happens, I get a really nasty ulcer that it takes medical people to fix because the the, the blood vessels are essentially bust. They don't work properly. And so if you get uh, any sort of infection down there, nothing repairs. So all of the sort of natural repairing is done by a nurse with sort of alcohol and swabs. And it's, it's really intense, it's really horrible, and it takes forever. So, you know, a little cut or a little bite or anything down there, any break in skin, and it's a real problem for me. So I keep everything very moist. Lots of moisturizer, make sure that everything's okay. If I get bitten, I put all the right stuff on it and all of that jazz. Um, and that means that quite a lot of sort of gunk, <laughs> moisturizer and stuff <laughs> transmits across to the, to the beanbag. And yeah. my goes away and I thought, do you know what? I've been meaning to put that in the wash. I'll put that in the wash. Thinking that this beanbag would have been designed by somebody with, I don't know, an IQ over seven. So. I unzip the bottom of the beanbag and go, ah, there's no lining. There's It's just beans. Beans of a very sort of... <laughs> beans in a bag. Yes, yeah, a very synthetic sort of white <laughs> thing. Right, what I'll do is I'll get a bin liner and I'll put the bin liner over the top. Blah, 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 blah. These things weigh, I think their atomic weight on the periodic table is 0.001. And so there's a breath of wind and 400,000 of these little balls float out into the atmosphere. And if you try and put a bag over the top of the bag, another 4 million escape from every, every, every point on the compass. Little white balls going everywhere. God, TJ, it was the longest half hour of my life. Eventually, I got all these little things either into the bin bag or swept away where nobody will find them until my wife comes home and goes, what's that? And then walks into another Small room collection and goes, snow. what's that? <laughs> Honestly, it looked like a blizzard on the balcony. The dog looked at me as to go, it's just cooling you down. What are you doing, you muppet? <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. It was very, very difficult. Um, but anyway. That's the consequence of, of being home alone. Um, Margaret has been very unfair. Uh, and as well as going away for 10 days, she's taken with her the elves. So uh, the elf that does the washing, <laughs> no longer here. The, the elf yeah. that does the dishwasher thing, no longer here. Um, all these surfaces around the house, they're getting sort of dirty and sticky and stuff. There, there must have been some elf responsible for dealing with that, and Margaret has taken that elf with her. I shall be having Shocking. words when she comes back, honestly. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, the final one that I wanted to touch on, just, just so that I can get us over the hour, um, 
The word of the day last week was the flap doodler, uh, which was a, yeah. a deliverer of humbug and twaddle, particularly the political kind. And uh, the word of this week is nuance. Uh, the one that I'm particularly uh, interested in is a sensibility to or awareness of or an ability to express delicate shadings as of meaning, feeling or value. Mm. And on that note, I'd like to welcome President Trump to the United Kingdom. And I hope he has a, <laughs> a lovely time. Did you see what someone did with the lawnmower? I didn't, no. So I'm not going to talk about it because it's not a political podcast, but go and look up what someone did with the lawnmower uh, for Trump's arrival in one of the adjoining fields over the airport he was be, he was going to be landing in. Oh, Dan Essex, Wayne Stan, Stan, Stan. Hi. And what about you? Have you got any uh, life changes on go? Uh, none that I haven't already spoken about. Uh, I think we're we're pretty much business as usual, you know, honeymoons. House repairs, uh, ambitious garden projects, the usual. Okay. Well, if you, if you have you reached the three pin plug? Almost. I mean, I'm, I'm still Googling a lawnmower and, um, apparently, um, Mr. Trump <laughs> shouted at somebody for mowing a lawn and that, that comes. Ah, I see. Yes. Yes. That's one for everyone to Google themselves if they haven't already seen. I'm so- <laughs> Sorry, the, pic- <laughs> the pictures just come up. Um, uh, Essex, Essex, eighteen-year-old student. That boy will go far, I'd say. Uh, Ollie Nancaro. Good. Look. I'll vote for you, young man. Um, and it, he runs an online eco marketplace. Oh, Betty does. There you go. Oh, 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 oh! Wait. The the headline grabbing one is is good enough. But um, did you see the rest of the stuff that he did? I know that he met the Queen. I don't know much. No, the that. the other mowingy things that he did. He made. Um, oh no, no, no! He did a picture of a bear and and all sorts of of you know sort of nice stuff. Changes real. Climate change is real and all that sort of stuff. Um. <laughs> but certainly the, the 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 headline grabbing one is brilliant. And then looking at it on Twitter, hi there, I'm a writer for Lad Bible. Would it be okay if we use these picture for an article? Full credit will be given. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're the evening standard. Hi there, are these your images? <laughs> oh, you just broke the internet, young man. Good work. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, anyway, welcome, Donald. It's it's lovely to have you uh, here. Oh, sorry, there. Um, I'm not there. Never mind. <sighs> well, on that, I think we have nowhere to go other than the topic. Or the plug? The plug. Have oh, we got to go to the plug? The three-pin plug. you got to plug it in before you turn it on. Alrighty. Okay. So the three pin plug is I'm Stuart Lennon. So I have a website called stuartlennon.com, uh, where I talk about stuff, talk about living in Cyprus, uh, living the dream, working tools and writing a book. Uh, you can become a member of that site for a massive sum of money. I think it's, well, 
I know it's twelve pounds, but I imagine that's about sixteen dollars, maybe seventeen dollars for a year. So it's not a huge amount of money. Uh, I also run a little company called Nero'sNotes.co.uk, which is a place you can buy amazing notebooks, pens, paper, and uh, a little something that I've got planned and I haven't spoke to TJ about yet is a thing. Mm. We might do a little pencil subscription, but we'll come back to that one. Um, that's me. What about you, TJ? <clears throat> My name is TJ Cosgrove. I run Wood and Graphite, which is the number two pencil-based video channel on the internet. Uh, it's a YouTube channel, shockingly, about pencils and paper and analog ephemera and other things as you know, like that. Uh, if you like the podcast, you may well like the episodes. It's kind of the the video version of what I talk about on this show. Uh, there's a lot of different things there. The video I've just finished and is uploaded for my patrons is about uh, some forgotten pencils that I find. Uh, in a, a workshop in uh, rural Northern Ireland. And the next video I'm working on, which I'm going to start probably tomorrow or Wednesday, is about Steinbeck and his writing process. So there's some really interesting, very different videos there. Uh, there's also one of me sharpening a pencil for five minutes, if that's what you're into. Um, so if you enjoy that kind of thing, you want something a little bit more thoughtful and slower paced than the normal screaming YouTube children, then uh, maybe give it a listen, give it a watch. See what you think. Wood and graphite on YouTube and uh, everywhere else. And what is the third pin? What is the earth pin, TJ? The earth pin of this three-pin plug. Uh, Google an image of a UK plug if you've no idea what we're talking about. Um, is supporting this podcast. This podcast is made available to you by the grace of Nero's Notes and Stu. And... Uh, there are costs associated with running it. You know, there's there's hosting costs, there's editing costs, there's all kinds of stuff in there. And so you can support the podcast itself by uh, donating many, many monies or small amounts of money uh, to the podcast on the website, 1857.co.uk. There's a little uh, button there you can hit and donate. If you don't want to do recurring stuff and Patreon and all those other things, you can just go and it'll process car payments. I think it's through Stripe. Correct. Uh, and it'll let you... It'll let you pay just a small amount of money to cover. Um, or you can go and get a free Audible trial. I don't care. Do, 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 if you want to help, do something. Um, but like 10, 12 pounds will cover hosting for a month. So not a lot if you enjoy the content. But uh, don't feel forced. It's good to help if you can. But we don't want anyone to think that they, they have to. But it's always very much appreciated. In fairness, we'll probably carry on talking this nonsense regardless. Yeah, I mean, nothing hasn't stopped us yet. Indeed. But if you try and unsubscribe, One hour and six it months. will automatically reappear back in your feed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I've got a feeling that we've reached the end of the podcast, an hour and six minutes. Oh, good. Oh, we've got a topic, haven't we? Yeah, we should really talk about something structured or unstructured. Absolutely. Structured. I don't know. I mean, topic? Dave's probably dropped off by now. <laughs> and and Meg's going, Ooh, when are they going to get to the good stuff? Yeah. So, uh, Dave, this... thanks for listening. <laughs> Cheers. Hi, Meg. Hey, Meg. So the topic for today uh, is one that I thought of uh, because it was quite salient to my day-to-day life. Uh, and the topic, and I've chosen a very stylistic name. It's very, very smart, very creative. Uh, have I got news for you? 
And it's about news, it's consumption, and how you get it. And the reason I was thinking about this is from time to time in my jobby job, I need to do newspaper adverts and adverts in other places and things like that. And so I pick up the paper in question just to check that the ad you know looks good and came out and all that stuff. Um, but when I did that, I was like, when was the last time I actually bought a newspaper? And then this is not a slight, like the, the marketing campaign was totally great for what we were doing. Uh, it works. The people who are going to you know, see that ad are going to see it because they have a paper. Um, it's the right choice for what they're doing, but it's not necessarily the way I consume my news. And so I was like, oh, of course people still read these and of course people still do that and do this and do that. And it, it really made me think about how you get your news and what it kind of feeds into notifications a little bit because a lot of people want news as soon as it happens, when it happens. And I don't really think like that. I, I want it to be on my terms and I really don't want to have to go far to find it or go to ha- you know spend money to find it. That seems a little outdated to me. Um, so I don't usually buy newspapers, shock horror, even though I like paper, even though I like analog. Um, I used to read The Eye, which I think was The Guardian. It's that little like 20p paper uh, when I was in England and I was commuting. I would normally pick it up for something to read on the train, but now I have podcasts, so I don't. But I don't, it's not really newspapers, newspapers aren't really a thing that I've ever done consistently, and it's not something I can see myself getting into. Um, The closest I can get to some sort of paper form that I would buy with regularity is that analog science fiction magazine, and I I adore it for the the nature of it being paper, but mm, it's just strange to me that you know, if your sole source of news is the newspaper, that's very 1957 to me. <laughs> uh, the Eye is, uh, or was the offshoot, or still is the offshoot, of The Independent, not The Guardian. That's the one. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, the clue is in the name. Um, it's it's really interesting because I, I agree with much of what you say, um, but I also perceive... Uh, there's a sort of contrarian flow going on here where mm. um, the the advent of technology, by which I mean those mobile devices and those services that bring us the ability to, as you say, you can you can right now you could be listening to everything that's happening at WWDC. I think it's probably started there the the Apple thing. Um, yeah, there's you know podcasters that I listen to who've flown over from Europe to go and listen, uh, and you know these guys are going to be firing stuff out on their Twitter accounts. And if if I went to my Twitter account, it'd be lit up now. Yeah, you know, hot takes. Uh, and likewise, if you follow sort of uh, political Twitter in the UK, there'll be everybody will be talking about President Trump and his visit, and you know which Grenadier Guard did what, and yeah. There'll be all sorts of stuff going on. But I think there's a lot of people now who go, I don't want that stuff on my social yeah. media. I don't want notifications about that. Um, if I'm interested, as you say, if I'm interested in, in uh, President Trump's visit, then I'll I'll just put search in for President Trump on Twitter or on, on the internet generally, or, you know, I'll, I'll go find stuff if I'm interested. Yeah. And... 
I used to consume news pretty uh, religiously is the wrong word, but I would try and read a paper um, at least twice or three times a week, certainly the weekend. Um, I would take uh, a big, <laughs> in my case, right-wing newspaper um, on a Saturday or a Sunday uh, and read through everything, the property section, the finance section, the business section. And it would be, for me, it would be a great way of spending a couple of hours uh, just chilling out. Um, and, you know, I really, really took pleasure in that. There was a, a ritual to it. And I suppose if I was in the UK, I'd probably still do it. You know, Sunday morning, take the dog out for a walk, go and buy a paper that you need a forklift truck to take home. Um, <laughs> just one tree. Yeah, and sort of sit down there and spread it all out on the dining room table, drink some coffee, eat a croissant, read the paper for hours. Um, now that I live abroad, the newspapers that are available to me in English are, are not as weighty, shall we say. Um, there is a Sunday paper here in Cyprus called the, it's called the Cyprus Mail. Uh, it's in English. Uh, and their Sunday edition is pretty good. Uh, and I still buy it occasionally because of, um, one column, which is called, um, Tales from the Coffee Shop. Uh, so <laughs> we, we touched on the coffee culture here before. Yeah. Uh, and this is the old school coffee culture. So this is the old fellas sitting around with their sludge. Uh, in a in a cup, uh, just swapping stories, and it's it's extremely satirical. We're talking sort of private eye level satirical, um, because there is quite a lot of corruption in Cypriot politics, and uh, this anonymous column <laughs> tries to sort of lift the lid on it, um, and it uses uh, lots of funny names acronyms, um, sort of cover names. So it calls Cyprus Kiprula, uh, which is a sort of pun. There's, there's a whole load of puns that go on. Uh, and the first time I read it, I've said I didn't understand a word of what was going on. But as I read it weekly, I got an idea of when they say this, they're referring to that party or this person. Um, and it's very, very funny. It's very fun. And I think that journalism like that is important. Mm. You know, regardless of where you sit on the spectrum, somebody to sit there and question what politician A, B or C is doing and why they might be doing it and whether there might be a reason they're doing it that is not the reason they're saying they're doing it, I, I think is an important function. That's what I want journalists to do. I want them to point out to me that that guy might be talking rubbish and this is maybe why. I think that's really, really important. Mm. Um, but now I don't, uh, I don't subscribe to any digital news service at all in terms of sort of daily. Um, I do subscribe to The Economist. Um, and I'm one of those weird people. Um, I'm very much against their numbers because Economist numbers, I, we've mentioned this before, I think, but their print editions, uh, subscriptions are going up, but their digital subscriptions are going down, which seems to run contrary to sort of common wisdom. Um, but you can't, you can't put your digital subscription on the coffee table. 
Just swipe to unlock and then you'll see that I'm very smart and read The Economist. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you just leave one there, then everybody can see. Look at that. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, you know, if, if you were a marketing person working for The Economist, then you would surely know to write subscriber edition in the top right hand corner really big. Um, <laughs> but, but they haven't gone there. I don't know if that's to their credit or not, but, um, I, I get it because it's a weekly, um, politically on many, many key issues. Uh, the Economist and I are completely at, uh, at odds. But it is good journalism. It is well written. Um, it's not neutral by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, I, I enjoy reading it. Uh, I enjoy being challenged by it. Uh, and for me, it's a really acceptable way of reading the news because it's reflective. It it's mm. not the headline of ten minutes ago. Whoever wrote the piece probably got the information the the day before, and it's been edited, and a few days have passed. And it, it's just more considered than than you might find in I don't know newspapers or, or internet news. So I use that yeah. as my primary source. I think um, I sometimes flick into Apple News, um, and you know, what's happening, what's going on. Uh, and they're trying to curate for me. Uh, and they obviously think that I'm um, stupid because they're giving, <laughs> they're giving me news stories for, you know, uh, no big words. Uh, I'm not sure I want to look at that. And, of course, the less you use these things, the worse they become for you because the, <laughs> the, the algorithms don't work. So you get the general algorithm. Yeah, you're giving it... Oh, woman yeah, with big breasts! Oh, to... great. Okay, <laughs> um, so, so, no, I, I would recommend a magazine. I'm, you know, The Economist, mm. The New Yorker, there, there's lots of them out there. Um, and uh, my suggestion would be get a magazine that isn't aligned directly with your politics or or your thoughts um, because there's no point in reading stuff that you're just going to agree with that's why Twitter and, and Facebook <laughs> yeah, the echo chamber yeah it's just yeah um, you, you don't understand what's going on in the world if all your mates are going uh, Liverpool are the greatest football team then guess what you think Liverpool are the greatest football team um, it's more interesting to read something that, that says things this is bad because of this. And you think, okay, well, I think it's good because mm -hmm. of this. Interesting. And you can have that argument, yeah. you know, on your own. Um, you, you can't, I mean, I can't anyway, get somebody that's, I couldn't read The Guardian. Okay. The Guardian, again, for uh, American listeners, Guardian's a great newspaper. Um, but it's left of center. Um, I'm right of center. And I couldn't read The Guardian because I would be sort of spitting at every story because their view on things is very different to mine. I could read something like The Independent, which sort of sits in the middle, or tries to at least. Um, and I think it's worth trying to read something that's not quite your view, because otherwise you just become uh, some sort of cog in a machine, whether it be a right-wing machine or a left-wing machine. And I, you know, I think that's particularly true of the States, where uh, you've got the host, this whole Democrat-Republican war yeah it creeps me out whenever people get the news and they're like oh good more orders from high command and they just start repeating 
And I'm like, that's that's not what news is. You need to form your own opinion or you know, some things are factual. You know, this happened, this occurred, you know, this went here. But there's other things where it's like this is a think piece. Someone's, you know, giving you their opinion. Mm-hmm. They're not giving you the words you need to say on this. They're giving you information that they think is correct and you need to make your own decisions about it. And it, it creeps me out when people read the news and then spout it off without any kind of internal fact checking. It's just like, oh, good. I've, my database has been updated. I know I understand this thing. It's just a little. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think good journalism is, is intended to make you think. Um, yeah. But I suspect sort of nowadays it's probably less. It's more to make you click as, as you've. Yeah. Click and repeat. It's mimetic. It's, it's a viral thing. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I typically connect all my news from BBC News uh, on the website. That's that's it. I don't go, I don't watch BBC, mm-hmm. like on the TV or anything like that. I'll go to the website and scroll through the top 10 news stories and any of the breaking news stories and see. Uh, or I'll go to Reddit, which is often faster. Not as good writing, but uh, faster, certainly. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes I'm a total hipster. And I will yell at my Hey Doofus device and it will speak the news to me in a, in a sort of quasi report, um, which is quite useful. If you are, you know, getting ready, you can sort of do it hands free. Yeah, no, but, um, it will come as an enormous shock to you, but I do exactly the same each morning, uh, with, with, with Siri. Um, I speak to the home board mm. and say, give me the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but BBC's news for, um, electronic devices. I think it's done by the same people that do news round. It's it's aimed at the um, um, what's the best term? They're going for the lowest common denominator. So yeah. the news stories tend to be maybe two, or possibly three. Um, it's not as good as shall we say a radio. Um, no, 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 no. It's it's very very quick. But it's on demand, which is what I like. The radio is not on demand. Yeah. I've listened to radio a couple of times more recently, and, and you get the news broadcast on the R. You get the, head, mm. the you know, headlines, and that's fine. But I don't like doing very many things, push notification. I'd much rather be a pull notification. Like, Sure. It suits me better. I would like my, my digital home assistant, though, to be bright enough so I could turn to it and say, give me the last news from Radio 4, for example. Um, and mm, if I'm pulled from the, if I'm asking at nine twenty, then give me the nine o'clock bulletin. That's fine. Um, whereas what I get is, you know, this thing that's been prepared. And I'm, I'm assuming it's updated, and they they're experimenting with, you know, hip sort of theme tunes and stuff, which is great, fantastic. <laughs> Carry on, <laughs> but give me a bit more news because it's actually quite um, it's it's quite difficult now to get radio if you're not in the UK because. Um, I, I don't know if you've tried this, but internet radio is appalling. It's just terrible. Every app that does it is mm. crap. I don't tend to do it on an app. I have it sometimes through the Google Home, and it'll do it a fair job. Except the radio station, now that I think about it, the radio station we would normally listen to, just disappeared. And so I was like, nope, that doesn't exist. And we're like, but we listened to it for six weeks. I was like, no, 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 that's never happened. So it just stopped accepting voice commands on that show. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not quite there, is it? The whole voice assistant stuff, whichever, no, whichever no. team. But it's, it's new tech, right? Yeah. It's very, 
it's very futuristic. Like I went round to my in-laws the other day and uh, my, my soon-to-be father-in-law had bought a robotic vacuum cleaner, one of the little uh, iRobot type looking discs that hoovers your house for you. Okay. And it's great. It's cool. I don't think it was very expensive. I think it was like a hundred pounds or something. Mm-hmm. And he showed me the remote and he showed me it doing its cleaning pattern and going back and forth. And I looked over at my, my little nephew who's six months old and I thought, when he is 18, the world he grows up in will have robot vacuums and voice command news. You know, my childhood did not have that. Your childhood did not have that. <laughs> Both our childhoods fantasized about that. Sure. But neither of them had it. And his will, his, his, you know, his teenage years will be flying cars and robots to some degree. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. The, the, the world is in fact changing. Yeah, there can be no doubt mm. of that. But news is um, is important, and I think yeah, I think we're absolutely. slightly lost at the moment. Um, I had um, uh, this is this is eighteen fifty seven for you. I'm in the midst of an argument by letter, <laughs> so um, I don't think she'll mind me saying. But uh, Amanda, who writes for Nero's Notes. Um, Amanda Fleet, who's uh, written a couple of novels that I've spoken about, and you should all go and buy immediately, amandafleet.co.uk. You heard it here first. Um, she and I um, exchanged letters, and she is um, an English woman living in Scotland, and I'm a Scotsman by inclination more than anything else, but living in Cyprus, <laughs> or previously uh, living in England. And we have diametrically opposed views on many things, but uh, specifically around Brexit. And so, so we have these discussions. And there's something wonderful about arguing by letter, because I will, <laughs> I will make some sort of assertion, uh, aware that by the time I've posted it, I may have been proven wrong or right. Um, and, by, uh, and by the time it's got to the other side... Uh, you know, it's old news. Uh, and she does the same. And, you know, look, uh, we like each other. And, I, uh, you know, I, I consider Amanda to be one of the most intelligent people I know. So when, when she says something to me, I don't just go, that's rubbish. I think about it. Um, and I try and come back with some sort of meaningful answer or occasionally uh, a flippant answer because ultimately with the whole Brexit question, everybody is arguing hypotheticals. And, you know, your hypothetical is bigger than my hypothetical is about as good as your dad is bigger than my dad. I mean, <laughs> we don't know. We will see what happens. Um, but it's, it's, <sighs> the thing that struck me was how, you know, she was very upset about how pro Brexit the BBC was. And everybody I know that's pro Brexit says, I can't believe how pro-Remain the BBC is. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought if I had to give my inclination on a, on a scale, I would say slightly more of a lean towards Remain than, than leave for the BBC. Yeah, I mean, it, it becomes, uh, again, come back to that word nuance. Um, mm. You know, Laura Kusenberg, um, a wonderful journalist, very talented woman. Uh, she was very, very, or appeared to be very, very much behind uh, Theresa May. Uh, 
her and I think that she she had empathy for the position that May found herself in and and mm-hmm. so did her best to paint her as as uh, as a woman trying to sort of basically sort of square a circle to 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 create the impossible deal um which people found alternately to be supportive of of leave or or remain because um anybody that want sorry don't say anything stupid here many people that wanted brexit so leavers saw may as a sort of trojan horse who was trying to achieve leaving by not leaving yeah and many remainers saw her as a as a very smart woman trying to moderate the excessive desires of people that wanted to leave um and so you know i have an enormous amount of sympathy for what she was trying to do and an enormous amount of scorn for the way that she tried to do it Uh, because (laughs) if i was to give anyone any advice it would be do trust your public you know if you're a politician they're a lot smarter than you and so when you try and sell them a pup okay no 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 honestly this will be really good because but <laughs> if you try and pull the wool over people's eyes i, th- I think you just annoy them and, and what theresa may managed to do was just massively annoy people who weren't there are people who who really feel strongly about remain who are going to vote leave if they're given a choice again because they feel that the politicians are trying to sort of worm their way out of it. Um, but no, the, the point I make is that it's so difficult now. If you're, um, you're young, right? But if you're even younger than you, if you're 18 or 19 now, what is the news source for these people? Wh- where should they go to get sensible, straightforward presentation without a slant? Have an in. In the US, I think it's even more complicated. Where should they go? BBC? Mm, okay, all right, maybe. But, you know, where you live, whether you like it or I like it, there is still this shadow of, of sectarianism. Where should these guys mm. go to hear something that isn't slanted by that? I think Twitter and social media stuff is both. You know, there, there's... <laughs> There's an element of that bipartisan kind of neutrality that people want. There, you know, that exists on social media. Mm-hmm. It does. But equally, the the very very hardcore either end of the spectrum. This is my political view, and you will you know abide by it. That exists in abundance as well. Yeah. So you know, social media isn't the the cure, but I imagine a lot of people younger than me. You know, Twitter is a big, big place for the news and other people, you know, things that they will see in the world and all the other news channels and then talk about in their own way. And I, I don't know, there's not an easy answer for this because there's, there's so much content on social media and almost all of it is biased. It's very hard to get unbiased content anywhere. And I think social media has a, a large amount of people that are biased and some of it's, I guess the best you can hope for is biased in the general good, you know, something that is. But then again, I guess that's that's mutable. I don't know. Well, I don't have an answer. You know, I mean, it's tough because I, if I tweet, um, you know, uh, 
boxing, what a fix. Or, hmm, was that result right? The first one will get an enormous amount of hits. The second one, very few. Yeah. You know, a sort of a, a moderate point of view or a, a, a reasonable question won't work on social media. It has to be, or it doesn't have to be, but it's more likely to get traction if it's contentious. Yes. And I, you know, I said BC or ABC or whoever the, the big one was. And, and this was the news. These were facts. This was what was happening. Uh, certainly the, in the UK, I mean, the, the BBC. I mean, okay, you can watch ITN if you want, but I mean, if you want the real news, BBC, obviously. What? Why would you do that to yourself? Exactly. The bargain basement? What? I mean, got adverts, <laughs> for God's sake. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as I got older, I mean, so I did a degree on, on, um, the media and, and journalism and stuff. When I say I did a degree, I didn't graduate, but I did most of the work. Um, and, you know, I, I did studies on, on, um, Marxism in the media and all sorts of stuff. And at that point, I think my faith in things like the BBC was, was shaken. But it was, it was definitely, I think, I, I, no, I'm going to say it was believed. Whatever the predominant news source was, that was the news source. And, and you kind of believed it. You, you went, okay, so that's what happened. And okay, over time, the, the trust has been eroded because who knew governments cheat, politicians lie, all that sort of stuff. Um, but now, I mean, certainly in the States, you have, you have news organizations that will report things sort of diametrically opposite. You know, <laughs> CNN and Fox, you know, look at, look at the take on a particular story from those two organizations and it will be completely opposite. Yeah. Polemic ideas. Yeah. And that's, you know, that must be incredibly difficult to deal with if you're, if you're, you know, a young person growing up without any fixed, you know, ideologies on what's happening and so i think it's a quite a good source for that information and certainly a lot of the breaking news stories i've seen on reddit before anywhere else because they're getting the information directly but is there not um a lot of the similar nonsense that you know it's uh you know polarized special interest difficult problematic yeah, yeah. does that exist I mean, as well i mean i don't know reddit very well oh absolutely almost certainly i would say if i had to guess reddit would be slightly more left of center than than other websites sure. um which you know that would be more of what i'm aligned to i, I you know a lot of the things they talk about i'm quite happy to be on board with mm-hmm. there's a lot on there that i'm not interested in or don't have an opinion on or i, I don't agree with but at the same time it's Reddit is a generally positive place that I've seen. There are elements in it which are, which are not, uh, but they've largely tried to get rid of those, uh, sort of to make the community better, probably more to make their image better. But, um, you know, the byproduct is that those negative aspects, those subreddits that are not necessarily pleasant or, or worthwhile or generally positive places tend to go away. Um, but I think any community of people, will be biased. It's, it's not possible to have a community 
or information presented by a community or an organization or a corporation that is not in some way biased because it is presented by people. I think the only way to get away from this is to uh, have some sort of robot <laughs> news guidance system that uh, just dispenses facts or observations that could be construed as facts. Mm. You know, this is the current temperature. We are not making any kind of statement regarding why this is good or bad. It is just the temperature. Uh, this occurred. But it, it, I don't know. I think you, if you stop including that, you lose some of the nuance. I've been I've been thinking about it quite a lot because, mm. I, as you say, um, you get some sort of AI or uh, machine learning to to do this for you. Yeah. Is is the ideal solution you would hope? Now, somebody sent me an email uh, earlier today about uh, Google. Now, they quoted somebody else's article. In, in the body of the email. So, so essentially the email said, you wrote an email saying, mm, I'm not sure about Google. Um, why don't you take a look at our site where I, I demonstrate why you should really not be sure about Google. Your, your readers would like to read this. But in the email that he sent me, he quoted somebody else's article. So clearly I'm, I'm at the end of some sort of, you know, computer generated email thing saying, give me a link to your website. And I followed the link just to have a look, and I thought, okay, yeah, he's done. He's not a conspiracy theorist. Um, he's somebody who's looked at how Google works, and he's trying to spell out how Alphabet works and Google works and all that stuff. Um, he's 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 waving the same flag as I wave. <laughs> these these guys are, are screwing you, type thing. Um, Google has the best AI that exists. And it uses that. And it could, as you say, produce a curated news feed where the criteria for curation were about factual accuracy, um, response across a, a measured audience. You know, There's all sorts of stuff you could do. But what it actually does mm. is send you stuff that will sell advertising. Because that's its business model. I mean, we shouldn't condemn it for that. What we should condemn it for is saying, yeah, we want to help you find the right stuff. Where actually what it's saying is, we want to help you find the stuff that makes us money. Um, yeah. And that's why I, I get really nervous about the AI or artificial or uh, robotic solution. Because at the end of the day, I don't necessarily know the motive and I don't know who set up the stuff. And I don't know enough to test it. I can't say, is Google more straightforward than Amazon or Facebook or Apple or you know whoever these people? I form opinions based on well, mostly podcasts. But, but um, it's really, really scary because you know, if you look at, uh, at uh, President Trump, you know, has there been a more contentious American president? I wouldn't have thought so. And you look at what's happening in the UK with Brexit and the the, you know, the next prime minister is coming and all that stuff and how it's coming. And, you know, uh, this is a time that we could all do with some reasonable information. Um, but I say I, I mm. have people on, on Twitter who 
you know, they have hashtags in their name. So here we go. Here's a hint for all you people out there. Somebody's got a hashtag in their name. Don't follow them. Don't let them follow you. Um, because if you disagree with them, oh my God, they'll come after you. Um, and it's just, it's for me really weird because it's so polemic that, mm. you know, uh, Donald Trump is this, that, 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 that. And I, I've got to be honest, I don't have a lot of time for the man. However, I'm not sure that a hundred really worthy people telling each other and me how terrible he is, is really helping. Give, <laughs> yeah. give me facts. Persuade me or persuade others. I mean, persuade your own electorate. Um, just as, you know, we have conversations to, to have about Mr. Farage and, and all of his thought process. Um, this isn't an anti-American rant. It's an anti-politics rant. Rant. A rant. I'm having a rant. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that the media is doing its job. And I'm not sure the media can do its job because I'm not sure we know how to work it or what we want from it. Hmm. Whether that's a new problem. I think we'll see a change. Oh, yeah. really? A well, change? I think it's always had elements of this. Sure. Well, I think everything will change regardless. You know, time marches on. We talked about that earlier. Sure. And people want to know more than anything else what is happening. That is, that is what people find out. That is, you know, they want to watch TV shows. They want to listen to podcasts, but they also want to know what's happening. And distilling that often gives it a tinge in either direction. So if you take something that is complicated and, and spread out and nebulous and you formalize it into something that can be read in 10 minutes and understood, you've probably put some sort of spin on that, you know, intentionally or not. Mm. And so giving people the means to understand complicated and, and convoluted uh, happenings or ideas in a way that is less biased could be helpful. But again, I'm saying this as a biased human being sure. who probably wouldn't notice one bias and would be annoyed by another. So it, it's hard for us to even imagine what the solution would be given that we are so prone to the problem, mm. you know? And I think for me anyway, I always take news with a pinch of salt. You know, there are things which I read and I'm like, okay, there's no real reason to lie about this like a car crash okay that that's horrible that's terrible i hope everyone's okay probably not some sort of con job probably not trying to to make me think a certain way apart from like cars might be dangerous but you know other things which are more political or um about you know health studies and all these other things which you think okay this is an opinion oh, and i will read it and don't form my get own. me going on that that, there's there's an episode in that one. <laughs> that the health stuff. Health studies. Oh my god! What a con. So I interestingly right. I've got I've got something to leave you on. I watched a PBS documentary today. Okay. Uh, called "In Defense of Food." Mm -hmm. uh, from a journalist called Michael Pollan, mm -hmm. uh, and so his whole concept for eating. He kind of he was a is a journalist, did a lot of writing about food and the history of food and things like that. 
and find that people wanted to know, well, that's really interesting all about food. How do you, what, what should I eat? What's, what's the right food? So he started looking into that and very much a journalist, not a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And so he's going, well, I don't really know, but I can look at all the things I've read and, and sort of come up with something that makes sense given what I've read and what I've seen. And so he distilled uh, healthy eating into seven words, which is eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, you know, that, that's, that's pretty clear. I think even then there, there's some contention with carnivores and omnivores and vegetarians and all that jazz. But I think it's a really interesting way of oh, going, this is a oh, really complicated thing. Take a note, Cosgrove. Take a note, oh boy. No, there's definitely <laughs> an episode or four in this because there's two things that I got really interested in and involved in. One was around um, heart disease mm-hmm. because um, yeah. my dad died of an aortic aneurysm. Uh, and several of his brothers uh, had the same thing. And so I was told to, to check it out and all that stuff. And so I looked into how that all worked and, and what the factors were. And I looked perhaps a little bit deeper than maybe some would. And I, I, I don't mean to sound cocky, but that's not what I meant. Um, and the other one is around type 2 diabetes, where in the UK, now, today... There are doctors who would still say to a type 2 diabetic, have a baked potato. Stay away from those chips. Have a baked potato. Now, whatever you do to that massive carbohydrate, fry it, bake it, boil it, or shove it up your... makes no difference. It's a carbohydrate. It's a sugar. And diabetics struggle to deal with sugar. I mean, it ain't rocket science. And Michael Mosley, this <laughs> sort of TV doctor, actually, more than anyone else, turned around and said, well, this doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Margaret has turned herself from type 2 diabetic to not diabetic. She's not taking any of the tablets prescribed to her by the doctors who say, have a baked potato. And she's fine. And it's a huge thing. The influence of pharma on, and I'm doing air quotes again around a microphone, doesn't work, does it? Studies is just Mm. enormous. And it's so, so, so scary and so dangerous because it's the exact same uh, methodology that smoking companies, the tobacco companies, used to keep people smoking. And I speak as someone who smoked three packs a day. It's a massive con. And behind any of that stuff, just follow the money. Follow the money. It's there. It's as clear as day. That's something we, we need to have a talk about, DJ. But I'm, I'm looking at the clock going, it's, it's <laughs> one hour 48. Most of our listeners have died of natural causes by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another chunky app. But there well, you go. That's I keep talking. Means I can the... keep drinking brandy. <laughs> Shall we end it here and come back for not necessarily uh, news part two, but health part three? Oh, no, we, we need to talk about health. That's that's a bee in my uh, bonnet, as they say. Anyway, this has been. Have I got news for you? And I 
have been at Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove at team underscore Cosgrove, if you so will. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was 1857.